Uh, yeah, today's Pentecost Sunday, and this is, of course, the day that we get to talk about the Holy Spirit. And as most of our church probably knows by now, the Holy Spirit is something that I enjoy preaching about, talking about, talking, uh, teaching about a great deal. Uh, we had a uh, actually preached on the Holy Spirit uh, back in March, as a matter of fact. So based on that sermon, I'm surprised some of you guys came back today that I didn't scare you away because we're going to talk about it some more today. Uh, but yeah, you know, Pentecost is a time that we remember the um, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. A lot of times, a lot of times you'll hear Pentecost referred to as as the birth of the church. That's a little bit of a stretch because the church was actually started, you know, when, when Jesus came to earth and called the first disciples. But it was the first major outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it was the ma the first major growth of the church, and all of that kind of happened right there on the day. And we'll read about there about that in just a second. The text that we're going to look at is a pretty standard text for Pentecost Sunday. It comes out of Acts chapter 2, and it's verses uh, 1 through 4. We're going to read that. And this just kind of describes the event. It's a short piece of Scripture, just a couple of verses, like, like, like as you can see. And it just kind of describes what happens on that day. And then there's, there's some other stuff that occurs afterwards that I'll talk about. But uh, the verses we're going to focus on are just these first four. So start in Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came... They were all together in one place. They, by the way, is the disciples. They, they were all gathered together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And that's the Word of God for the people of God. So that's what we're celebrating today. And that's a major, major event in the history of the Christian church. It was an event that had been prophesied about uh, numerous times. If we remember correctly from last week, it's a moment, it is the moment uh, that Jesus promised his disciples was coming soon when he talked about the Father's going to be giving you a gift and it's going to be happening soon right before he ascended into heaven. Um, in our focus scripture from last week, and I want to back up to that because it's important to look at that scripture and also tie this one together. But our focus scripture last week was from Acts 1, and it was uh, uh, verse 8. And if y'all remember correctly, it said this. Jesus was talking to the disciples. They were eating together, and, 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 and he said this. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, throughout Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Today we recognize that moment. This is the moment that Christ was talking about. We remember that moment and we read about that moment right here in these few little verses here in Acts chapter 2. This is it. This is the thing that, that had been prophesied about. This is the thing that the event that Jesus was talking about. This is the, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, absolute apex, if you will, of uh, everything that, that, had, that had been promised to him. I want to give you a little background and a little bit of context as to what's going on here because it's also very important. Uh, the author of the book of Acts is generally accepted, generally believed to be Luke, the same guy that wrote the Gospel of Luke. Most people believe that Luke and Acts at one time were, were one book and uh, for whatever reason, whatever happened, we don't, we don't really know, but for whatever reason those two books were eventually separated, but they have the same author. Um, and he begins Acts like we did last week. He begins the book of Acts restating some of Jesus' words, restating some of Jesus' instructions, like stay in Jerusalem. Uh, 
about 40 days between Christ's resurrection and his ascension. And that right here at the beginning of Acts, the author restates Jesus' instructions. Again, stay in Jerusalem until you have received the gift that the Father promised. And of course, that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then he added what we talked about last week. When you receive that gift, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and be, you will be my witnesses. And sure enough, that's when the day of Pentecost comes. It wasn't too long afterwards. Just a few days later, and as y'all can see, as y'all will read about, as you read about right here, but also as you will read about in subsequent verses there in Acts chapter 2, this is not an ordinary event. This is a very, very powerful event. This is a very, very special event. So uh, after that initial outpouring that we see today, and again, this is just the, this is just the 12 disciples this, this, this occurred to right here. But after we see the initial outpouring, we can move on down through chapter 2, and uh, what we'll find, and we're not going to go into all these scriptures, I'm just trying to give you the backstory here. What happens after this occurs is that Peter gives what we often refer to as his Pentecost sermon. Uh, we talked about number verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking in tongues, and the Spirit enabled them. There were people who happened to be witnessing this at the time, and then they said, golly, what are these people doing all talking all these all this different gibberish, are these people drunk? And uh, Peter says, no, no, they're not drunk. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh, now, I don't know about y'all, but there were some 9 o'clock in the mornings that, for me, were, uh, it was all right. Y'all can laugh. Uh, but he, Peter says, no, no, you know, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. They, they're not drinking. And he goes on to quote a, a lot of Old Testament scriptures and, and whatnot from Joel and the Psalms that kind of pointed to what was going on. But then Peter just tells them the story of Jesus. He stands up in this crowd after this has occurred, and it's a big crowd. It's a huge crowd. And he basically just tells the story of Jesus. You guys remember back when we talked about sharing the gospel and people, how people shared the gospel in the New Testament? They basically just told the story of Jesus. They talked about his life. They talked about the way, what he taught. They talked about his, uh, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. That's essentially how they shared the gospel with people back then. Or, and or, they shared their own personal testimony about their about their interaction with Christ or how they came to faith. But Peter just tells the crowd about Jesus. He tells, he tells them the story, and he uh, calls them to repentance, and he calls them to uh, baptism for the forgiveness of their sins. And he says, you know, if you, if you do this, if this happens, you're going to receive the same Holy Spirit that you see these guys receiving, that is causing them, that is bringing them, that is empowering them to be able to do what you guys are witnessing right here. And sure enough, you know, Peter, <laughs> here's the thing. This is the evidence of the Holy Spirit. If you go back there and you read Peter's sermon, it's not that impressive. There's nothing really that, you know, that really stands out. It's not, it's not the most theologically depth or theologically deep sermon that you ever heard. He just tells the story of Christ. But what happens when the Holy Spirit gets involved? Here's what happens. 3,000 people come to Christ and come into the family of God on one day. And that's the day that we celebrate as the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. It's not, just, it's not just this awesome event that we read about here, which is really, really awesome, you know, where the tongues of fire come down and they start speaking different languages and all that, but also what happens on that day is 3,000 people. 3,000 people are brought into the family of Christ through Peter's preaching. And that's a lot of times why they call this the birth of the church even though it's kind, of, it's kind of a technical thing. 
so back in March, like I said, like I mentioned earlier, we, uh, we, we, we talked about this. We talked about the Holy Spirit, and, and we focused on one, one particular scripture. We focused back on uh, 1 8, Acts 1 8. And uh, I kind of want to go back to Acts 1 8, like we talked about last week, and I, and I want to tie these two things together. I want to talk about Acts 1 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And I want to bring that together with what we read here and then what I just told you about subsequently happened with Peter preaching and all these people coming into the, coming into the faith of, with, uh, of Christ. You know, when we, when we talked about Acts 1-8 last week, it was all about mission. When, when Christ says, you'll be my witnesses in, in, you know, to the ends of the earth, that was all about mission. And he told us what was going to happen. This is how, this is why the church grew so vastly the way that it did. Because God, God affirmed, he, I'm going to put you on mission. But he also used another word when he talked about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's going to come, and you guys are going to be my witnesses. But here's how that's going to happen. One word, power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. I don't know about y'all, but that right there in 2, 1 through 4 seems like a pretty powerful event to me. When I read about 3,000 people coming to Jesus, coming into the family of Christ, that seems like a pretty doggone powerful event to me. If you were here back in March, we also looked at a verse, and we talked about the speaking in tongues thing, by the way. I'm not going to make a bunch of Methodists uncomfortable two times in one year, because I know that's too much for you. But we talked about that last time, and I affirm to you, you know, that's it's something I believe in. It's not something, it's not something that's, that's, that's obscure to our Methodist tradition, um, but it happened. And, uh, and we talked about some other pretty powerful things, some pretty powerful things that, that are capable through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pointed you back to a verse or a couple of verses back in the Gospel of Luke. Remember I told you that Luke was the same author of Acts. But I pointed you over to uh, Luke chapter 9 and verses 1 through 2. And in particular, what, what Jesus does in these two verses, you don't have to look back at it right now, but Jesus gave, gave the disciples the power through the Holy Spirit to do some pretty doggone awesome things. As a matter of fact, back in those uh, two scriptures, he, give, he gave them four things. He enabled them to do four things through the power of the Holy Spirit. Anybody happen to remember them by any chance? That's okay, because I'm going to tell you. He gave, them, he, gave, he gave them the ability to cast out demons. He gave them the ability to cure diseases. He gave them the ability to proclaim the kingdom of God. And he gave them the ability to heal the sick. And I'm sure that made a lot of folks uncomfortable when we talked about that last March. The reality of the fact is we are still empowered to do these things today. The reality of the fact is that we are still empowered, not us as individuals, not us as human beings, through the power and the reality of the Holy Spirit who resides in us today. It happens. It happens all day long, folks. Healings happen. People get disease, people get cure of disease through prayer, through healing. I've seen it happen. Example after example after example. Demons are literally real. Demons are literally driven out of people. I cannot say that I've seen that happen, but I know of a number of people that I know personally, a number of, of uh, very close circumstances. Where I'm, I have no doubt about it whatsoever. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. So this is real. It's just as real as it was back then when Jesus empowered them to do that. It's just as real today for us. Do we believe it? 
Do we believe that, that, that we still have that the Holy Spirit, not that we have, but that the Holy Spirit has that power? Because it's in the New Testament over and over and over again. It's just not a couple instances in the, in, in the, in the book of Luke. It's in the New Testament over and over again where the early Christians did some pretty doggone crazy, unimaginable, supernatural things because of the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of them. I know this makes us uncomfortable. I get that. But I think this is something we've lost. Maybe that's the reason why our churches are so stale and so stagnant. Maybe that's the reason that we have lost so much influence on the world around us today because it's easy for us to get up here and talk about God. It's easy for us to get up here and tell people to follow the commandments. It's easy for us to get up here and talk about Jesus loves you. All of that is great. All of that is wonderful. It's a lot more difficult for some reason for us to embrace the reality of the Holy Spirit inside of us. It's so much difficult for some, re for some reason for us to embrace the supernatural. The supernatural. This is a supernatural religion, church. Everything that we believe, everything that we profess, we said the Apostles' Creed this morning, everything that we profess in that 2,000-plus-year-old creed is something supernatural. I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, born of a virgin, raised from the dead, ascended into heaven. I believe in the Holy Spirit. This is a supernatural belief system. Do we see the supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit working in our churches today? Do we see that? Ask yourself, I'm not asking to answer out loud, but we have to ask ourselves that. If not, why not? If not, why not? Do we believe in that power? Do we believe in that power that God offers us? freely do we practice that power or is it just one of those things that we kind of separate we kind of believe on an intellectual level but not so much of a practical level why is it easier why is it easier for us to believe that we have the power to proclaim the kingdom of God to uh, to uh, to share the gospel with people essentially but not to heal the sick and not to cure diseases why is that do we believe in God do we believe what we profess to believe? Why have things... I'm going to say no. I'm going to answer that for you, and I'm going to say no for the most part. I believe there's a, there's a real absence of the Holy Spirit in our churches today, in, in our own professions, in our, in our own spiritual lives. Why have that changed? Why, you know, why have we gotten like this? You know, Simply put, we've lost our belief in the supernatural. We've, we've denied the power, and we've denied the authority that was given to us by Jesus himself. We're okay, again, you know, talking about God, talking about loving our neighbors, which y'all know I talk about very, very frequently. But the talk of the supernatural makes us all kind of nervous and all kind of jittery for some reason. We actually talked about this with our kids um, on the last day of vacation Bible school. So if all that makes you really, really uncomfortable, Paulette, for some reason, this piece of paper is driving me up the wall. I gotta get that out of there, man. <laughs> if you have a hard time accepting some of this stuff, if you have a hard time accepting, um, you know, the possibility of, of 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 God curing diseases through us, of God 
healing people through us, of, 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 of God, you know, performing demon, uh, relieving people of demon possession through us. If that seems like a bit of a jump to you, if you have a hard time with that, I'm going to preach to you the same thing that I preached to the kids on the last night of Vacation Bible School. And see if you can't follow along and see if you can't, see if you can't grasp this, okay? <clears throat> There's a section that we're all familiar with in the book of Galatians. If you've been to church in any amount of time, every single one of us know this. And it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's Galatians 5, and talk, Paul call, we refer to them, as, or to it, as the fruit of the Spirit. Everybody knows that, right? Paul calls these things. Paul calls this the fruit of the spirit, and, and he says this. He says this. You know, this is the fruit of the spirit. Love. I got to find it here in my notes because I can't even remember all of them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things. These are the inward and the outward things that happen to us. Number one, when, we're, when we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, but number two, also when we allow the Holy Spirit to work through us. I mean, we can prevent that. We've still got self-will and all that good stuff, folks. We, we can block you know, the leading and the work of the Spirit who's, who's inside of us. But let me point this out to you. One thing that we that we we concentrate on so much here at Bemis, and I and I concentrate on it so much in my preaching and teaching, is our call to love people. <clears throat> Several weeks ago, we 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 hit on the scripture where where Jesus is meeting with the disciples, and he says he says a new commandment I give you: love one another, just as I have loved you. So so you also are to love one another. This is how people will know you're my disciples if you love one another. And that seems like a pretty simple pretty simple commandment on the, on the base um, on a cursory hearing of that. But the fact is Jesus commands us. And by the way, that's a command. Read your Bible. Take it out if you want to. He said, a new commandment I give you. Not a new suggestion I give you. A new commandment. Not do this if you feel like it or you don't feel like it. This is what I'm commanding of you. Love people like I love people. And again, on a cursory reading of that, that sounds pretty easy, right? Jesus said love people like I love people. Nobody in the history of humanity, in the history of creation, has ever loved anybody the way that Jesus loves people. So that's a pretty doggone tall order. And we say, oh my gosh, I can't do that. Sometimes we say, okay, it's pretty easy to love people. Most of the time. Well, Jesus tells us some other stuff. Jesus tells us to love our enemies. It's pretty easy for me to love my family most of the time. It's pretty easy for me to love people that I like. It's pretty much it's pretty easy for me to love people that think think like I do, look like I do, walk in the same uh, uh, places that I do. Those types of things. It's a whole different ball game when we start talking about people we don't like. It's a whole different ball game when we start talking about people who rub us the wrong way. It's a whole different ball game with we start talking about people who have different views than us, different cultures than us, different uh, whatever. Maybe some, it's very, very difficult when we start talking about people who have misused us, people who have done us wrong, people who have backstabbed us. None of that matters in the kingdom of God. Not a bit of that matters in the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't say, if you feel like loving them, love them. Jesus said, I command you to love them all day long. Now, do y'all think that's a pretty tall order as a human being? Y'all can answer out loud. That's a pretty doggone tall order. Jesus would not have given us that commandment 
if he was not going to supply us with the means to carry it out. Y'all got that? Y'all following me now? As human beings, it is not in our nature to love people like that. It goes against every fiber of our being. It, gets to, it goes against everything that we represent, everything that we are, everything about our egos. Human nature is not to love people that we don't like and don't get along with. Jesus calls us to something bigger, something better, and something more holy. And he gives us the power to be able to do that through the presence of the Holy Spirit. What did I say a minute ago about these, what we consider to be outrageous gifts? The healing, the curing diseases, all that stuff. We, we tend to think that's, that's just out there. That's, that's something crazy people believe. That's, uh, that's, beyond, that's something you know, beyond our capabilities. Or even if we say that, we really say that's beyond God's capabilities. But we have a problem with that. However, let me bring it back to what I was just talking about with love and with what Paul calls the fruits of the Spirit. We know that none of this comes natural to us. This does not come natural to us. Now let me ask you this, church. As Christians, as Christians, can you testify that you think about and that you love people a little differently today than you used to? Nod your heads yes or no, seriously. Yeah, me too. Tony Mallory, me and you have talked about this on a, on a number of occasions. We, we don't think like we used to think. You know, I told the kid, I sat down and I, and I gave him the, 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 the G-rated version of, of my testimony Friday. I said, you know what? Pastor Jerry wasn't always a good person. Pastor Jerry wasn't always a kind person. Pastor Jerry was not always a lovable person. Pastor Jerry did stuff that he wasn't proud of, that he should not have done, that he's still not proud of to this day something changed. Something did for me what I could not do for myself, and I'm going to venture to guess that something did for you guys what you could not do for yourselves. Something changed your hearts, and something enabled you to start loving people a little bit better. I know we don't all get it, get it right all the time. I get that, and that's why we have grace. But I'm going to say if you've got a relationship with Jesus this morning, you love people a little bit better than you used to. You don't hate people. You don't mistreat people maybe a little less <laughs> than you used to. Maybe we're a little kinder than we used to be. Maybe we're a little bit more faithful than we used to be. Maybe we're a little more gentle than we used to be. Maybe we're a little bit more self-controlled than we used to be. Maybe we're a little bit more patient than we used to be. Newsflash, we didn't do this by ourselves. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we believe that the Holy Spirit is capable of doing that, why in the world would we think he's incapable of doing this other stuff? The same power that resides in us, the same power that resides in us is the same power that was poured out on the day of Pentecost. Church, if y'all want to start seeing our churches grow, and I don't just mean numerically, as awesome as that would be, spiritually as well, open ourselves to that. Open our, and I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not, it's, it's not easy all the time. My self-will wants to come back all the time and, and, and do things my way, do things my way, resisting sometimes. We start stopping this resistance that we have to the movement of God. We're going to see people come into Bemis United Methodist. We're going to see people within Bemis United Methodist 
growing spiritually, loving a little bit more, looking a little bit more like Jesus, because that's our ultimate call here on earth. We talked about that time and time and time and time again. What's your ultimate role? Why you're here? To grow into the likeness of Christ. To show other people what that looks like. Even our five-year-old kids know that. We taught them that this week. Embrace it. Embrace it. Don't deny it. Allow God to do his work through us. Allow the Spirit to do this work through us. It's powerful stuff, y'all. It's powerful stuff. I've told you. Oh, my gosh, it's almost five afternoon. Um, and i got to leave soon. <laughs> lost my train of thought. Lost, lost. Just, just like that, it's over. Y'all, we can accomplish, God can accomplish great and powerful things through us if we allow him. And I know the majority of us are, are, are faithful Methodists. Um, some of this may seem foreign to us. Laurel, can you go get the kids for communion, please? <clears throat> some of this may seem like, it's, like, like, it's, like they're foreign concepts to us. Let me assure you they're not. The early Methodist movement was, was a Holy Spirit-infused and a Holy Spirit-powered uh, movement. There's no other explanation for the way that the, the, the early Methodist movement grow, grew so much, so quickly, other than a great movement of the Holy Spirit through them. You can go back and you can read all the history and some of the, some of the things that occurred during this time and some of the things that the early Methodists witnessed as far as visual outpourings of the Holy Spirit. That didn't start in the Pentecostal churches, folks. We were doing it before they were doing it. As a matter of fact, most Pentecostal denominations that exist today came out of the Methodist movement. I say we go back to that. I'm not saying we got to go crazy. I'm not saying we got to jump church pews, but I'm saying that we should definitely open up ourselves to the reality of the movement of God and maybe do a little bit less of us and a little bit more of Him. Let Him do the work instead of us trying to do things our way. I believe that's how churches grow. I believe that's how Christianity will grow.